right, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Don't forget in your prayers, Brother Tyler Warden and Larry out at the uh, Arkansas State Fair the rest of the week. Uh, I know the first three days they had 30 saved at the soul-winning booth there in uh, Little Rock, uh, Arkansas. And amen. I think Sunday night we have a presentation too, brother, don't we, for uh, Mike and Jen Shannon's trip to Papua New Guinea. want to be here uh, Sunday night to see that. That'll be good. Deuteronomy chapter number four. I want to talk uh, about the war in the Middle East uh, tonight and uh, next week, maybe two more weeks after that. This Tonight I'd like to uh, focus on terms for understanding the uh, events that have gone on in the Middle East and Israel uh, beginning October the 7th. And next week I hope to look at some geography uh, terms, geography, and then prophecy after that, and then the fourth week kind of wrap it all up. Um, I would love to stick my head in the sand and pretend this isn't happening. But these are major, major events that affect all of us. And um, boy, I don't know if this one's just going to go away. Uh, this may be the start. I don't know. This may be the start of some of the things we see. Uh, spelled out so clearly in Ezekiel 38 and 39 in the very near future here. It sure is lining up uh, like that. But I want to look at a little bit of Bible first, and then we'll go to our sheet, our pass out tonight. And those that watch live stream, if you can come on Wednesdays and get the sheets that go along with this, that would sure help. And we'd love to have fellowship uh, with you too in the house of the Lord uh, on the midweeks. Right in the middle of the law, or right at the end of the law, there's, there's like an amazing prophecy right in the law. And uh, it brings out three truths by way of introduction tonight regarding Israel and their history. I want to begin by reading Deuteronomy chapter number 4 and verse number um, 23. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 4. In verse number uh, 23, it says, When thou shalt beget children, and children's children, and you remain long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, and make a graven image or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God, to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land Run to you, go over Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it. You shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations. And you shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve gods, <coughs> the work of men's hands, wooden stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek, with him, seek him with all your heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things 
are come upon thee, even in the latter days. If thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. Now this is just absolutely amazing. Uh, that this was spoken approximately 1,450 years before Christ. Uh, This is before they ever got into their land. They're out in the wilderness. This is before Jericho leads them across, or, or, or Joshua leads them across the Jericho River into the land of Canaan, and they have all those 30, 31 conquests to take the land. And I just want to highlight three uh, truths mentioned towards Israel that are mentioned in this uh, prophecy. Verse 27 is their dispersion. Now, this is before they ever get in the land. Before they ever get in the land in the first place, God says, when you get in the land, if you forsake me, and you start serving graven images and other gods, um, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. And then he says in verse 27, And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. Now, Israel is about one-sixth of one percent of all the population of the world. I would say that's few in number. Uh, That's 14 million out of 8 billion people on earth. So 99.98% of the world is Gentile. Okay, they're few in number. That's what the Lord said. And the Lord said, look, if if you turn to other gods, I'm going to scatter you among all the nations. That's called the dispersion. Now, God took his good old time doing it. Began about 800 B.C. with the Assyrians taking some of what was called northern Israel, or Israel, the north kingdom at the time. And then around 600, 500 B.C., the Babylonians took Judah and Jerusalem, pretty much emptied the whole country out, at least for 70 years. Some of them were allowed to come back after 70 years and rebuild the temple, Zerubbabel's temple. And then uh, up just about... Uh, into the life of Christ, and, and just shortly after the life of Christ, they were finally dispersed all over the world, all the nations, and some of you know the history of 70 AD, when Titus, the uh, Roman emperor, came down and just raised the entire city of Jerusalem, the whole city, and the temple, and all the Jews were scattered all over the world, and have been that way for uh, over 1,900 years, until just very, very recent history. Uh, when they went back into their land in 1948, very few in number at the time, but that has grown to about 7 million. And so the first thing we see in the law, Moses said, you know, you know before they ever really became that nation in their own land, that, that if they behaved such a way, God was going to scatter them among all the nations. And God always keeps his word. This is an absolutely fascinating prophecy in verse 27. Uh, about the dispersion. And it's not the first. Uh, The first mention of all things, believe it or not, is in the book of Leviticus. 
Now, who, who would ever search Leviticus for prophecy? Uh, not hardly. But in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 31, the Lord said, And I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuary unto desolation, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it, and I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. That is the first mention ever in the Bible, and that is actually 40 years before the one I just read to you in Deuteronomy. Of course, Deuteronomy is do it, do it. Do to, which means to, it's the second giving of the law, 40 years after Sinai, when God gave Moses the law the first time. So, and that included Leviticus. So, so in Leviticus, he, he mentions the dispersion for the very first time in the Bible, in Leviticus 26 and verse 33, and then repeats it 44, 40 years later, there in Deuteronomy uh, chapter number 4. And verse number 27, the dispersion. Then we have the first mention of the word tribulation in the Bible. First time the word tribulation is ever mentioned in the Bible is in Deuteronomy 4 and verse number 30. When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days. If thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto his voice, and then there's a wonderful promise that I'll get into here in a minute. But I want you to notice that in the context, the first time the word tribulation is ever mentioned is to the Jews. And it says, when thou art in tribulation in the latter days. Now we know there's actually coming a period on earth of seven years on earth called the tribulation. In the last three and a half years, Jesus described as the great tribulation. And he said there will be tribulation on earth such as the world has never seen. Now just think of what we've seen in the last ten days. And Jesus said that that's nothing compared to what will take place in the great tribulation. Now the great tribulation is described in Jeremiah 30 and verse 7 as the time of Jacob's trouble, only he shall be saved out of it. Jeremiah and verse 30 and verse 7. The time of Jacob's trouble. Who is Jacob? What's a synonym for the name Jacob? Israel. It's the time of Israel's uh, um, trouble. And boy, is it going to be trouble. And we, I believe we're seeing the precursors like never before. In the last 10 days here on earth, and I hope you're paying attention. I want you to pay attention, and I think God does too, because all prophecy pretty much revolves around the Middle East and around uh, the geography that we're going to study next week. Now, I do have a study here, and I'll just make mention of it and go on, but uh, it's called Seven Reasons We Believe the Rapture Occurs Before the Tribulation. And I give seven biblical reasons here, and I've taught this years ago, but you're free if you're wondering about that, because there's a lot of, of, of controversy about the you know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib 
rapture of the church. And uh, we would believe that based on these seven scriptural uh, truths that the church, uh, the, the tribulation is not the time of the church's trouble, but it's the time of Jacob's trouble, time of Israel's trouble. And that will be taken out of it. Now, I know Americans have problems with that because we live on easy street. And so I see, I, I've seen some people, theologians and pastors and everything, who because we, we live on such, we, we, we live in, on easy street in America, it's so easy for us. And, and we're only 3% of the world that they like to seem to twist and turn the scriptures to say, no, we're going to have to go through tribulation. Why should we get out of it? But we do not interpret scripture or prophecy from an American point of view. You always interpret scripture and prophecy from a Middle Eastern point of view. And Israel, and, and, and it is tri- tribulation. And, and there, are <coughs> there are 65 nations on earth that are closed or hostile to the gospel. There's horrible tribulation going on right now for Christians. And Jesus said, in this world, ye shall have tribulation. Even though we happen to be a a dinky part of the body of Christ living on easy street, because America has been so good to the Jews, and America has, has honored the Lord and honored his word and been charitable, some of those things, and because there's still a very small remnant of very righteous people in America, He has still blessed us to this day. Uh, But just because we're having an easy time doesn't mean everyone else is. And, uh, but in this world we shall have tribulation, but don't confuse that statement of Christ with the great tribulation, which has to do with, with Israel. And so we see the tribulation mentioned here in this amazing prophecy. And then one other thing by way of introduction we see is God's covenant. God's covenant with Israel, verse 31, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee. Boy, he's kept that promise, hasn't he? How in the world? Only God can scatter a small dinky nation into all the nations of the world, over 100, even to this day, there's Jews in over 100 different countries. How can God do that for thousands of years and still keep track of them and then bring them back into their land? This is a miracle happening right in front of our eyes, and I can't stress that enough, that you you pay attention uh, through the lens of the scriptures at what is going on in the Middle East, and uh, it'll it'll help your faith. It hurts our hearts to watch it. It It should hurt your heart. I know Pastor had a great discourse earlier on how Mary Hart doeth good like a medicine. But this this message isn't gonna help. So so I hope you'll I hope you have a Mary Hart, but boy, it's it's awful hard. It's awful hard since the events of October the seventh, which is a significant date, and I'll get to that in a minute. But notice that. I want to say, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he sware. Unto them. Now, that first covenant, the first time, was a promise to a single man named Abraham in Genesis 17 and uh, verses 7 and 8. Genesis 17, verses 7 and 8. And the angel of the Lord, uh, that's 16, 
17, that was Hagar. We did that Sunday. Um, no, I'm in 18. 17. This is why I should not leave my glasses in my car. And I will establish, verse 7, Genesis 17, verse 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an, please say the next word, everlasting, everlasting covenant. What does everlasting mean? Folks, Israel is indestructible. It's indestructible. God said, I won't destroy you, and no one else will either. And this is the first time right here in verse number 7. And you got to notice verse 8 also, where he says the everlasting covenant. Everlasting. Now, if that covenant ever ended, it wouldn't be everlasting and God's word would no longer be credible. But if you'll study it out, that is the first of 13 times God promised his covenant with Israel would be an everlasting covenant. Everlasting, everlasting, everlasting. He said, I won't destroy you, no one else will. But now notice something that's absolutely pertinent to understanding the next few weeks. Verse 8. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land, wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. I know it's a big question today. Who does the land belong to? We that believe the Bible is the word of God. The answer is easy. It was given as an everlasting possession. But that was said to Abraham. And what do the Arabs claim? They claim Arab Abraham is their father. But he would have a son Isaac, and God would say, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Not in Ishmael, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Be called understanding the conflict, the war, it's beyond conflict in the Middle East. I think the two worst things that ever happened to the human race was Adam and Eve in the garden and Abraham and Hagar in bed with each other, having a child named Ishmael, and then with Sarah having another child named Isaac. And the, the two have never gotten along since. It, it really can't be unraveled. Only the coming of Jesus Christ is going to straighten that out in the Middle East. So these are things we've got to remember. It's an everlasting covenant, an everlasting possession. The land belongs to Abraham and to his seed being the seed of Isaac. You got you got to remember that otherwise you'll you'll get confused by a lot of the propaganda that we hear and boy do we hear a lot of it these days. So notice those three things in this amazing prophecy, the dispersion, the tribulation, 
and the everlasting covenant and the everlasting possession of the land to uh, Israel. That's, a, that's amazing stuff. Written uh, about 1,450 years before Christ. And here we are 1,900 years later uh, seeing all three, seeing all three happening in front of our eyes. Now, tonight I've made up a chart of terms to know regarding the wars in the Middle East. These are, these are just some words and people and truths about that over there, not, not that we're in favor of all this, just, but just so that you know. We, we know about, and, and going to the top of your, your notes, the first term is the word Hamas. It's uh, the word Hamas. Now, uh, let's read it. Hamas is a political party founded in 1987. That's pretty recent. It means Islamic resistance movement. So it is a religious movement, resistance movement. Their aim is to establish a Palestinian state incorporating present-day Israel, the West Bank, and the Gaza Strip. Now, you're going to see those on the maps next week. It's very important that you know as you're listening to the news, trying to sort through all the propaganda, that you know when they say West Bank, what do they mean? When they say Gaza, what do they mean? Gaza was where the, uh, is where the bombing is taking place right now. We'll see that on the map next week. But uh, we see the propagandists at work in America already. I'll miss immediately. They, they've turned this thing over to be like the Israelites, the Jews are the bad guys. And we, we hear all the college students uh, chanting, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And uh, we will see on the, the maps next week, by the sea, they mean the Mediterranean Sea, by the river, they mean the Jordan River, and everything in between it, which is what we call Israel. And uh, they want that all. And so on October the 7th, the world was shocked by the uh, greatest assault and massacre of Jews since the Nazis in the 1940s with 1,400 uh, Jews uh, slaughtered that day. And and slaughtered is is being kind, that word. I I may go into some of the details of some of the things that, that have happened as we get towards the close of this but it's, it's, there's absolutely no explanation or just, uh, justification of it. I, I would have absolutely zero tolerance for anybody that would try to justify the behavior of Hamas on October the 7th. Now, why October the 7th? October 7th was the eighth day of the Jewish assembly after the seven-day festival of Sukkot. S-U-K-K-O-T. You may see that word sometimes on a good calendar. S-U-K-K-O-T, which is the Feast of Ingathering. So they struck on that that day, the eighth day of the Feast of Ingathering, suck at S-U-K-K-O-T. And that is the day when the Jews commemorated God's protection of the Israelites in the desert, Uh, going way back to Moses and Joshua leading the millions and how God protected them. 
But the last day is their celebration of the in-gatherings. Uh, in and it would, if, if there's any equivalence in America, it would be Thanksgiving Day. Uh, it would be like everybody rejoicing. They had a big music festival. Uh, that festival was attacked by paragliders, Hamas paragliders. And uh, the wall was battered through, separating Gaza from Israel. And they went door to door through the kibbutzes, uh, massacring, slaughtering uh, families, uh, cutting off the heads of babies and making the parents watch and then killing the parents or or making the children watch the killing of their parents, and uh, absolutely horrific things. They would take uh, cell phones with, with facial recognition uh, from the Jews, and they would uh, get on their phones by facial recognition, and then they would videotape uh, their massacre, their slow deaths, their tortures, their rapes, and then they would send it from their phone to their relatives, and if you got a text from one of your relatives, you'd open it immediately. You would say, oh, good, Uncle so-and-so, is, is, he must be okay. And then as you go on, you see the, the video of Uncle so-and-so being uh, slaughtered or Aunt so-and-so being raped and, 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 and all of those things on their phones. These, uh, these people are savages, they're animals, they're devils, okay? Um, and, and, and I can go on and on and on describing things that, that I've kind of forced myself to watch and, and look at in, in preparation for this message. But uh, that's why they chose that day, uh, a holy day uh, that will forever be changed uh, in, uh, on Israel's calendar. Um. Hamas became a political party in 1987. In that region of Gaza, <coughs> the Palestinians, as they call themselves, who live there, voted in a free election for Hamas to govern them <coughs> beginning in 2006 for four years. Then they were supposed to have a re-election. But they never did. All right, because this is a terrorist group who got elected one time and then used terror, uh, used terror to control them. They've never had an election since. And here we are in 20 and 23, and, and Hamas has, has strengthened its grip on all of the Palestinians who live there in Gaza. They have not relinquished that role and have ruled since. They are a terrorist group. Hamas believes their Messiah will come when all Jews are exterminated. They also believe that the judgment day will come, but will wait until all Jews are exterminated, and they look forward to their judgment day and all the rewards they're going to get. And they believe their Messiah, and they got some... I don't know what it is, some story about some boy in a well somewhere who's hiding even now, and he's the Messiah, and it's, it's just strange stuff. But now, can you imagine if that was your religion, if that's what you believed, that your Messiah will come when all Jews are exterminated? 
what would you want? You'd want all Jews exterminated. And this is how they're indoctrinated from the time that they're little children. What is a terrorist? Any group that uses terror as a tactic to control its subjects or conquer others. Some consider the Assyrian Empire in 800 B.C. as the first terrorists. Islam is another term (coughs) to know regarding the wars in the Middle East, because these are religious wars. It's the second largest religion in the world. They believe in a god they call Allah. Islam means submission. It is centered on a book called the Quran, the teachings of Muhammad. There are 1.9 billion adherents today compared to 2.4 billion Christians. Adherents to Islam are also called Muslims. Muhammad believed he had a revelation in the year 610 AD at the age of 40. This marked the beginning of Islam. He is the founder of Islam and and is believed by Muslims to be God's prophet, God's last prophet. He wrote a book called the Quran, and although Muslims believe in the Old Testament scriptures and stories about Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus, but only as a prophet, at least that gives us a starting point when we're talking to them. They believe God's final revelation was to Muhammad by the angel Gabriel, beginning in Galatians, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 610 A.D., if you, have, if you have a pen, you might want to write down here Galatians 1, uh, verses 8 and 9 on your notes. Galatians 1, uh, verses 8 and 9 on your notes. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, that text, it, it says this here. Um, didn't have it marked. But as the Apostle Paul and others were concluding the revelation of Scripture, they said in Galatians 1, In verse 8, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which is we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Verse 9, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have received, let him be accursed. So any angel or any man preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. And they, they sure seem to be an accursed people. It's considered their holy book. Palestine is another term. That's a name given to the Holy Land by the Arab-speaking world. Palestine is a word which overlaps with terms like Canaan, the Promised Land, Israel, and the Holy Land. The title Palestine was used for the land as far back as 1500 B.C. It's mentioned in Exodus 15, 14, Isaiah 14, 29, and 31, and Joel Chapter 3 and verse 4. But Palestinian, our next term, on the bottom of page 1. Palestinian are Arabs who live in a certain geographical region of the Middle East. Mostly from the Mediterranean Sea in the east, you'll see this next week on the maps, to the Jordan River in the west. They live mostly in Jordan, Israel, Egypt, Iraq, Syria, and Saudi Arabia. Altogether, there are about 14 million Arabs, I mean, uh, Palestinians in the world, the same as the population of the Jews. Together, Palestinians and Jews make up less than one-third of 1% 
of the world's population, and yet they're troubling the whole world. Now notice this, though. This word was first used in 1963. Prior to that, they were just called Arabs. And then they started being called Palestinians. 1963, that's very significant. About 2 million or more Palestinians live in the Gaza Strip, which has been in the news since October 7th. <coughs> and another 2 million live in the West Bank of Israel. We'll show you that. Many Palestinians want nothing to do with Hamas, but are under their domination by terror. By terror, okay? In fact, the war in 1948 was called the Arab-Israeli conflict. It wasn't called the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. It was called the Arab, because the word Palestinian hadn't been invented until invented 1963. Page 2, the Gaza Strip, is a narrow piece of land that you see on the news every night on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. What a beautiful piece of ground that, it, that was at one time just be a beautiful place for condominiums and hotels and everything but it's it was turned into a training ground for terrorists it's bordered by Israel to the east and north with Egypt to the southwest Gaza became refuge for Palestinians after the Arab Israeli war in 1948 its population has grown from 200,000 then to 2 million plus now Sadly, it has become an enclave for Hamas, that's the terrorists, to settle there and recruit and train terrorists. Many Palestinians resist any involvement in Hamas. Although all Hamas are Palestinians, not all Palestinians are Hamas. Does that make sense? Okay, like we could say all Democrats are Americans, but not all Americans are Democrats. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm not trying to say they're like Hamas, but... Yeah, but, but Hamas are, are terrorists, and they rule by terror, and many people join Hamas just so they can stay alive, just so they can stay alive. The West Bank is another piece of landlocked territory that forms the main bulk of the Palestinian territories in Israel. It is the land on the West Bank of the Jordan River and the Dead Sea, thus the description West Bank. It includes eastern Jerusalem. The whole West Bank is owned by Israel and is under Israel, Israeli military occupation. But about 2.7 million Palestinians live there and about 670,000 Jews. And so you'll see that on the map uh, next week. Now we hear a lot about Hezbollah. Hezbollah is like Hamas, except they're located in Lebanon, whereas Hamas is located in Gaza. This is a militant Muslim terrorist group and political party founded in 1982, based in southern Lebanon. Their manifesto, they wrote in 1985, states their enemies are Christians, Israel, France, and the United States. Their goal is to expel them, all those groups, from Lebanon. Lebanon borders Israel on the north. Hezbollah, you hear a lot about them. They've been shelling uh, the last week also into Israel with rockets. Another group to be familiar with 
common understanding in the Midwest is the Taliban, a militant political Muslim terrorist group founded in 1994 in Afghanistan. Very extreme. Women and girls are not allowed to get an education or work outside of the home. They have retaken control of Afghanistan in 2020 after the American military left. Since then, women have had to cover their faces. They have also stopped issuing driving licenses to women. The Taliban is a terrorist. Al-Qaeda is a terror network around the world, founded in 1988 by Osama bin Laden. They want to replace all man-made laws with Sharia law, which is an extreme interpretation of Islamic law. Based in Pakistan and Afghanistan with affiliates all around the world, they're responsible for the attacks on 9-11 in New York City, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. Bin Laden was killed by the American military about 10 years later. And then there's ISIS. This is an acronym that stands for Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, probably the most terrifying Islamic group on earth. Gruesome beheadings on video, etc., have been used to recruit almost 8 million to their cause by fear around the world. Now, by the, word, by the uh, paragraph ISIS, write down 1999. That's when they were formed. I forgot to put that in the notes. 1999. Okay, I'm going to make a point here. I'm almost done, but just give me a few more minutes. Another term to understand is kibbutz. Kibbutz, that's not your car in the winter. <laughs> kibbutz is a unique form of communal living in Israel where members share property, work, and social services, usually for, around, for farming and agriculture, kibbutzes. These were the places, these were the peaceniks, these were the hippies of Israel. These were the ones that built their kibbutzes up against the wall to Gaza. And then they would carry these peace flags around the wall so that the people in Gaza would see them to know how peace-loving they are and how wonderful they are and how we can all just get along. I think their minds have changed the last 10 days. When Hamas bulldozed through the walls that they built their houses on, that they thought that, uh, oh, we'll just go down and live peacefully. We'll negotiate. We'll, we'll, we'll diplomacy. We'll just tell them how much we love them. We just, we just love you all. We love everybody. Let's just get along. And so they bulldozed down the wall, and then they went along the kibbutzes. And you've, you've probably seen the terrifying videos if you can stomach it. And they just slaughtered house after house after house, defenseless, gunless people. Uh, they were just slaughtered, take, taken, captured, raped, all, all, these, all these kind of things. The people lived in the kibbutzes. Communal living, that don't work. That don't work. Likud is the powerful right-wing party of government in Israel. They're, they're more like the conservatives. They're led by the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who seems to be the right man for the, this time. Uh, over that, you certainly want to be praying for him every day, pray for his salvation. 
And uh, then there is the uh, Labor Party also in Israel, that the Party of Socialist Liberals. They're a very divided country politically, just like we are. They're not united uh, in their politics, just like we're divided with Republicans and Democrats and conservatives and liberals and so on. They're divided too. But I got a feeling a whole bunch of the Labor Party is going to be changing their tune and have some real repentance in their minds towards Hamas and towards these Palestinians that, uh, folks, this is, this, is, this is a monumental thing that has happened in the last 10 days. It's, it's really going to change the course of history, I believe. I, I, there's no way they could talk about peace accords and, and uh, ceasefires and everything, but there's enough Jews that have had it. And... Uh, they're, they're taking out some Old Testament vengeance right now on Hamas. But you notice, unlike Hamas, they're warning the Palestinians. They're dropping leaflets and, 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 and telling them, don't go to these areas, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Hamas did not give them in the kibbutzes or at the music festival or other places around southern Israel. They, they, did, they didn't give them those warnings. They, those people were in shock. They could not believe. I mean, it was like 9-11. Beautiful day. Remember 9-11? Beautiful Tuesday. Sunny, 72 degrees. Hardly a cloud in the sky. And that's when they attacked our country. That's how they are. Very patient people, terrorists. Now, what did you notice as we went through this? I highlighted them intentionally. Let me, let me just go through it quickly. 1987, 2006, 1963, 1948, 1985, 1982, 1992, 2020, 1988. What do you notice about all those dates? They are very recent in history. They are in my lifetime. Okay? And in closing, maybe that sheds light a little bit more on the Jewish prophet, Paul, who said this in 2 Timothy and um, chapter number 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days, think of the dates. These weren't dates from the 1800s or 1700s or 1600s. These groups were all formed in a very, very recent history, these terrorist groups. Now use that light as I read this to you. This know also that in the last days, Perilous times shall come. Kind of puts a little more light on that, doesn't it? Puts a little bit more light on that. This is all Johnny-come-lately terrorist groups that have the whole world on eggshells. This is really latter-day stuff. 
And that's what I think Paul meant when he said, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Sometimes it's, used to, it's good to use the King James Version as a dictionary. There's only one other time that this word perilous is found in the New Testament. And that's in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28 when it talks about some demon-possessed men who come down from the hill to meet Jesus. And it describes them this way with the same Greek word translated perilous here. It describes them in two words. Exceeding fierce. Exceeding fierce. Would you describe Hamas as exceeding fierce? I would. I would. It's unbelievable that human beings can do these things to other people. That's the word perilous. This no. Paul says this no. No, no. Don't be ignorant. Don't have your head in the sand. This no also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Exceeding fierce times shall come. Why is that? Well, we'll get to that in a few weeks. Next week, we'll get into some geography. You've been here a while. Thank you for your attendance. Let's just close in prayer. Father, we come to thee, and uh, Lord, if we didn't know prophecy, we, uh, we'd probably be cracking up. And Lord, although it hurts our hearts to see this, and I force myself to watch the videos of Jewish people crying because their loved ones have been killed and massacred and taken hostage. We pray for the hostages tonight to be freed. We pray for the Palestinians. <clears throat> Lord, many of them are just people like us. They just want to go to work and take care of their families, raise their kids, live in peace but they're under a cloud of terrorism that we have never known in our nation. And so help us to be careful about judging them. And Lord, I thank you personally for the Palestinians my wife and I met in Bethlehem who were saved at the First Baptist Church of Bethlehem. We know you love them, you died for them to save them. Lord, help us to understand it's not them, it's Hamas. We pray for Israel. And Lord, it looks like a time for some Old Testament justice. Because we don't know, there's, there's no way to negotiate with these people. There's no peace accords that will ever, and, and Lord, you know. Help Israel, help Benjamin Netanyahu. Lord, I thank you that our president went there. Lord, we disagree with most of the things his administration stands for, but in this case, Lord, we think he did the right thing in giving them the assurance that we'll stand by him. We thank you for our governor, Kathy Hochul, who's going there because we have the largest population of Jews in New York than anywhere else in the world. And that might be one of the only reasons why the judgment hasn't fallen on our state. Because we have welcomed the Jews. 
And as she represents our state, give her wisdom going over there. We pray for them to be saved. The governor, the president, those in that administration. We pray that this war would sober up our federal government and our state government to quit fooling around and do the business of the American people and the business of God in helping Israel and Jerusalem. So Lord, help us as we continue to study and uh, we pray for the defeat of all terrorist groups. We pray for America to become ever diligent and we pray for our military that's starting to be sent to the Mediterranean, to Ukraine, to Israel. Uh, Lord, to be brave. Every generation seems preserves freedom with their blood. And this is this generation's time. And we pray for them. Keep these things on our hearts as we go home tonight. Dismiss us, Lord. Give us safety. Fill us with your spirit. Bless the rest of our studies. And we'll ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming. Being here a little late tonight, but God bless you.